Oh, like stamp collecting. No, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 400. <gasps> I'm so glad to be a part of this number. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witness, Tosh, by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Lord Cash. This is Propagator of Deportment Mark. This is Lady Dawn, Philatelic Warrior and Collector of Dragons. <laughs> there is a, We got a letter in the mail, and I just thought this was interesting. It's from Mail for Fun. Uh, she was on... what? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. And it says, attention, Kaz, Jim, Mark, Scott, Don, and it also notes Athena. (laughs) 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 So Athena is the dog that runs around here. We got a letter from Sir Jason H. Dear Stamp Show here today, I really enjoy your show and have learned so much from the podcast. If you think it merits airtime... This doesn't even merit airtime. (laughs) Do you mind sharing any experiences and opinions about optic, electric, watermark detectors, such as the Safe Sinoscope, the Lighthouse Sherlock, and the Stanley Gibbons Detectamark? So, Mark, why don't you start since... uh, I don't well, know, some reason <laughs> I I find those instruments to be uh, to to I think they're punishment uh, <laughs> from the people that manufacture them and say you know see I, I've made this thing and you think it works and it really doesn't uh, I I uh, I don't like those devices um, I I can't make them work properly I, I just I I don't understand them and uh, you know nothing nothing beats Ronson all mm-hmm. I have to agree with the other thing being that. You end up having to dip the stamp anyway when you're checking it out. So Ronsonol will, in addition, show you creases and tears and repairs and stuff like that. Uh, I do think that of the three, the Sinoscope is the best. However, like I said, like you said, uh, Ronsonol lighter fluid is better than a Sinoscope. Yeah. But sometimes it's really hard to see a cancel and you know or excuse me a watermark and um you know we're kind of blessed here in that we have a vsc but vsc costs you know tens of thousands of dollars so uh if we didn't have one you know you could use a sinoscope um the other ones like i said we really don't use at all yeah yeah, those yellow and orange stamps, those are those are tough. And, oh. uh, yeah, so I don't envy anyone that uh, that collects Washington Franklin seriously and, and has to, you know, try and discern uh, a single-line watermark from an unwatermarked or you know, that type of thing. Which is why a sinoscope is good on those items. 
Um, for a vast majority of stamps, though, eh, not so much. So I hope that answers your question, at least for our opinion. Don't mean to piss off Lighthouse or Stanley <laughs> Gibbons. I, I mean, I hope we didn't just lose our uh, our Detect the Watermark right, our uh, sponsorships. Yeah, our yeah. sponsorships. Vast sponsorships. <laughs> yeah, so. Anyway, in, uh, there was an article written by John Hotchner, good friend of the show also. Mm-hmm. Um, hit, the title is The Problems of Multiple Certificates That Don't Agree. And he brings up a situation where a stamp got three certificates. In 19... And just as a opening disclaimer... PSE is not involved in any of these. We do not have a dog in this hunt. (laughs) So we're just doing this purely from a certificate, what we have seen sort of standpoint. Anyway, the stamp is a two cent uh, Washington early flat plate coil. You know, that doesn't matter about it. Uh, The discussion goes beyond that. Anyway, it got a, it's an expensive stamp if real. And in 1991, it got a certificate that says it's real. In 2003, it got a certificate that says it's fake. And it says that it's a uh, number 332 with the perforations trimmed off at the top and the bottom. In 2003... They got a second cert that says it's a 384 with perforations added. So it was an imperforated stamp with perforations added, or it was an imperforated coil, really. Right. Mm-hmm. So John Hotchner says, what's the issue here? You have three certs, and they all say something different. Now, here is my opinion. He doesn't tell us who the companies are. But 1993, there's really only two. There's the PF and the APS. So in 1993, either the PF or the APS. In 91, the, when the first one? Oh, I'm sorry, 91, yeah. not 93. It's 2003. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 1991. So it's either PF or the APS. If it's somebody else, then, you know, you discount the cert. You right. Know, if... If it's, you know, some Bulgarian expertizing company, you know, you go, eh. But that lends to why in 2003 they got an additional cert is because whoever it was didn't trust that original certificate. And the stamp came back as fake. Now, the two different companies... And one of them could have been PSE because PSE was operating in 2003 under Collector's Universe. This is way prior to, you know, the current PSE. This is the old PSE. And um, just FYI, PSE changed ownership. That's why we say old versus new. But anyway, the old PSE could be one of these. Again, you have three main U.S. companies. PFPSE in 2003, and the APS. Uh, PSAG wasn't around yet. Bill Crow wasn't issuing certs. So really, probably, who we're dealing with here is the old PSE, the Philatelic Foundation, and the APS. 
Well, in t- 2003, they knew it was fake. But the two companies couldn't agree on why it was fake. So Mr. Hotchner has sort of a survey in here and says, what do you do? You have a stamp that had a good certificate and now has two bad certificates, but the two bad certificates don't agree. What would you do? I mean, I have my opinion. Uh, I, I would not pull the stamp. If I threw the two bad certificates away and sold it with the good certificate, probably the good certificate, people didn't trust it, and that's why the person said, you know, you need another certificate. And so they got one, and it came back bad, and they go, oh, man. The other company said, this is good. I don't trust this company's opinion. You send it off to another one, it comes back, it's, yeah, it's bad. But the two don't agree on why it's bad. Now, I hate to say it, but today we have equipment that would have, and so does the PF. So if it came in again, and if the P, uh, the two that disagreed on why it's fake are the PF and the PSE, today, because of the equipment that we both use, we would both agree. But back in 2003, you know, so what do you do if you have conflicting expert opinions? I guess it depends on who you are, whether you're a collector, a dealer, or an auction house. Well, let's rule out auction house because we'll discuss that in a moment because I thought the exact same thing. But if you're a collector or if you are a collector who is selling the item, how would that make a difference? Well, ethically, you'd have to show all the certificates. Say this is a stamp. These are the certificates. And, uh, you know, uh, it's caveat emptor. You know, you, uh, you, know, you decide for yourself uh, because they all are... Uh, opinions. They're not, uh, you know, you can't treat a certificate as fact, but um, but certainly the indicators are, you know, it's, it's a questionable stamp. I think that the indicators are that it's a fake stamp. Right. And most likely what it is, is that there's some other, it, here's my opinion. And again, this is a picture that's being printed. The one I'm looking at is black and white. So, you know, I can't even tell the color or anything. But let's say that the stamp is the wrong color for the issue. We can't see that in what's printed here in front of us. No. But the people come up and go, it's the wrong color. It's not that stamp. And they go, well, you know, is it is it trimmed or does it have fake perfs? And they go, who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they flip, one flipped the coin and said, uh, call it trimmed. And the other one right. flipped the coin and said, ah, call it reperfed. So, you know, the fact that uh, they didn't agree on why it's fake could very well be. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that it, uh, that it really matters a lot as to uh, the, the second two certificates, one calling it the imperf and one calling it the, perf, the sheet stamped with the trim perfs. Um, because um, just from the photo... I can see that the bottom is a little uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Top is too. Uh, so that right away, um, you know, I, if I were looking at the stamp and I and I just saw it, you know, uh, um, through my loop uh, at a stamp show, 
uh, I definitely wouldn't buy it. I mean, this is a definite hard no. Um, the, Which, uh, by the way, is why I predict that it got the other certs. Because if you had a good cert and then you went to sell it, somebody said, gosh, I really don't like this. Mm-hmm. You know, you should send it in to a, for another opinion. So the first cert, somebody questioned it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. This step, you know, it it um, the margins are kind of big. So the it, the idea that it would be a, a sheet version with uh, a, it looks like it may be trim top and bottom, which I think is the the um, the um, what one of the certificates said. Um, I think that's plausible. Um, although it is, it is pretty large, you know, margins, um, the perfs just at a glance don't, uh, strike out to me to be, you know, uh, obvious fake. So it, it's certainly possible. It's the, it's the sheet version, but, um, it could also be the, you know, the, uh, the imperforate version, but you know, like you said, who cares? You know, it's, 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 it's something that, um, that has glaring, uh, red flags just on the face of it. Yeah, just at first glance, I'm looking at this, and the top and bottom are absolutely uneven. I'm thinking that's trimmed. I tend to agree, and uh, Mr. Hotchner tends to sort of say that also, that he tends to go with the trimmed versus the perforated. Um, The only thing I can see is that one of the companies, and again, I don't know which companies because he doesn't name them, they might have said the stamp looks plenty big. It's just like the wrong color or the wrong use or the wrong gum or some. There's something else going on with it, and so they picked you know fake perfs instead of trimmed. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, we can't tell the color or anything because we're looking at a, a black pic- and white a picture. picture. Yeah. yeah, and the perfs you really have to see in different angles. You have to light light the perfs and obliquely and so forth to try and get you know, a, a clear uh, view as to how the perfs were made. Yep. So the stamp was a valuable stamp. It could have gone to, and this is why I want to bring up now the auction houses. It could have gone to an auction house. The person is going to sell it because, again, it's a valuable stamp. Uh, and the auction house says, oh, you know, you have an old cert, 12 years old. Right. You, that has never stopped anybody in the past. True, yeah. except for the fact that um, even if you threw away the, the, the next two certs, if you're an auction house and you put this in your catalog and in a, in a, in a fairly large size picture, it's obvious from the picture that there's, it, that there's problems. So you, know, you, you risk your reputation as an auction house, as an auction describer, to put something up that you know, even though it has a good cert, you know, an earlier good cert, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're risk, you're, you're putting a, a risk out there. And this is a big thing that all auction companies look at is, you know, they are experts. And in the olden days before, you know, expertizing companies became honestly quicker and cheaper, you know, back in the 1980s, 1990s, you would literally use the auction catalog as a certificate of authenticity because the auction houses were that good. Mm-hmm. Now the auction houses go, you know, we really don't want that responsibility. Get a cert. And so probably what happened is in, you know, 12 years later, the person said, I'm going to sell this stamp. And the auction house said, 
yeah, this doesn't look right to me for some reason. Mm-hmm. You should get a cert. And uh, sometimes, you know, you would send it back to the exact same. All three of these certs could be all from the APS. You know, they could all be APS certs. Right. And they just looked at it at different times. Um, or they could all be PF certs or... Uh, well, they couldn't all be PSE certs because, like I said, you know, in 1991, PSE didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you change the dates, they could all be PSE certs and they just overturned themselves. Mm-hmm. But I tend to think that um, this the problem with multiple certs that don't agree, I don't think it's really a problem. <laughs> I, I think that it's a... Just a thing that you have to determine how ethical you are. And uh, generally speaking, if you're going through an auction house, doesn't matter how ethical you are. The auction house is going to step in because they have ethics that they're going to maintain. And they're not going to put a bogus stamp in there. Well, my question is, how often does that happen? I have seen a smattering of certs that, okay, um, if you look at it from a time standpoint, old certs tend to be correct, but we have equipment now that just puts, you know, what was going on in the 1980s and 1970s to shame. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you might have a good 1970s cert, and we throw it inside the VSC now and go, <laughs> look, it's obvious. They go, well, why didn't you put it back in the VSC in 1970? And they go, because it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the machine literally was invented in the late 1990s. Um, we see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the cert companies, even themselves, will go back sometime and go, oh, we screwed the pooch on this one. Right. You know. And because certificates have gone uh, down in price. Uh, when you're looking through thumbing through an auction catalog and you see a, a rare stamp that uh, that is often uh, often faked, and the auction house has a certificate and it's like a a 1970 or a 1990 certificate, uh, you know that's kind of a red flag because they don't have they they didn't you yeah know, they don't have a, a recent one, so um, well in the old, and again you're talking about reduction in price just so people are aware, uh. In the 1960s, 70s, up and through the 80s, the average cost for a cert indexed to inflation. So, you know, they might have been $40, but it's $40 in 1970s money, not $40 in 2023 money. A certificate would cost $100, $125, $150, and it would take five months, six months, I mean, today they're $35 and they take a little over a month. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a significant expenditure and time sink to get an old cert. So you'd have catalogs in the 1990s that showed 1970s certificates because the person didn't want to pay another $150 and wait half a year. Mm-hmm. Today, if you see it, it's like, Ah, come on, you're just not trying. <laughs> and honestly, that's because the volume has gone up enough where all the cert companies are 
much more profitable now. Well, I'll say two out of three are profitable because I keep hearing that the APS complains about their <laughs> their search service not making money. But I think that's for a different reason. I think the reason is for the, them not making money is that they get a huge amount of foreign material, not U.S., that really drives up the cost, and they don't have in-house experts. So everything has to be mailed to people. And if you mail a stamp, you know, to three experts, you have to pay registered mail each way. So, you know, right off the bat, you have like $30 in mailing fees. And then you have the time requirement for mm -hmm. the mail and everything else. You know, it, it's easy to see why uh, having in-house experts has really decreased the cost of cert production. So, speaking about this sort of stuff, what has crossed your desk lately? I uh, I did an order a little while ago where it had a whole bunch of Scott number four sixty fours, which is the uh, the three cent uh, uh, perf ten uh, Washington uh, head, uh, unwatermarked, and. Uh, this is uh, this is an issue that typically you know you don't think is um, is is you know that big of a deal or or, or significant. But 464, that particular number, uh, you really have to be careful because it's faked uh, quite a bit. Um, the um, uh, most often it's uh, 464 is faked by uh, by perforating the um, the imperforate 483. Um, so when you're looking at a 464. Uh, well, first, one of the one of the first things is, is that you look for is you look for the color. Four sixty fours are almost always a dark uh, shade of violet. So, if you have a four sixty four that's a light color, um, that's a red flag. Um, but the other thing too is when you're looking at a four sixty four, you want to look at the perfs really carefully in oblique light. Um, you know, almost at a ninety degree, because what you're looking for is those um, uh, is those uh, uh, perforation pressure ridges. You should see a pressure ridge on one side of the perf, and then a sort of a, a feathering at the on the other side of the perf hole, um, and that's a uh, that's a really good a good indication that you've got genuine perfs. Uh, when you've got a, a sheet uh, uh, the imperforate that's been perforated later, um, you know it's typically done with the line perforators, and there's no you know there's no pressure ridges and and the holes look too clean that type of thing um 464 can also be uh faked by a uh by perforating the uh, sides of a 489 um but that's not a uh that's not uh too hard to detect because 489 is a rotary press so it's taller uh than a 464 uh 489s are also a lot duller and in, in in shade so you know the color immediately jumps out to you um but uh, but yeah, four sixty four a nice issue. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something. It, it's a number that you want to pay attention to when you see it. What is the catalog? Uh, the catalog value for four sixty four uh, sixty five dollars for hinged, one hundred sixty five dollars for never hinged. So I understand why so. people would submit those. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's sort of a mid range issue. Um, but, uh, when I go to stamp shows and, and I see 464s, 
uh, being offered, I almost never see them offered with a certificate. So it's just a it's just a number that you that you got to pay attention to. Look at the pressure real carefully and just make sure you see you see some pressure ridges and and, and that type of thing. Make sure the color is nice and rich and and and, and violet, you know, and uh, shade. Um, and that's it for 464. Well, I'm going to guess that if you go to a show and you see one that doesn't have a cert, generally speaking, it's not going to have a very high price tag. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but the the cost of a 483 is much less. I think it's like one-fifth the price. Yeah. And, a, and a, uh, I think a 489 is like one-sixteenth the cost. So... Well, all the coils are worth faking. All the non-rotary press, excuse me, mm-hmm. the non-rotary press stamps are worth faking. Right. Uh, generally speaking, a certificate on them is going to be 25 bucks. So it better be, you know, if, if you say you want, if, if, if you spend 25 bucks, you want to get 25 more, it's got to be a $50 stamp that you pay for. Right. And that would be really super narrow margins. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, the perf tens, you, you don't see any any kind of um, uh, certificates on those because they're not they're not real expensive stamps. They 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 range in the twenty to 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 eighty dollar range, yeah. um, you know, hinged. So you you kind of don't expect to see them. Um, but uh, you know, the other numbers in that series that goes from. Uh, uh, was it 462 to uh, 478? Um, they're generally not faked at all, but 464 is 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 faked quite quite a bit. How about you, Don? What has crossed your desk? Well, you, you bringing um, up this article is a little painful because I had this situation a couple weeks ago, and it was brought up at our expert meeting. And I called it a fake coil, but I didn't call it a fake coil for the right reasons. So why did you think it was a fake coil, though? Um, The perfs looked too clean. And so I thought it was uh, um, an imperf that was reperforated, but it turned out it was a perforated stamp that had the perfs um, clipped off. So that's exactly <laughs> what was inside this article. Yeah, I know, and that you know that's why it it it, it kind of. But anyways, that was explained to me, because you know I'm still I'm, I can't get them all. <laughs> well, uh, let's see what crossed my desk. Uh, Nothing really. I do the bookkeeping mostly. <laughs> so, so I'm an expert on, uh, you know, the 1851 U.S. number 10s and 11s, 25s, 26s. So everybody always gives those to me to double check. And I do a lot of proofing, but nothing really across my desk that uh, sticks in my head. So uh, even working on your exhibit and such. Oh, yeah. I'm working on my exhibit. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always fun. I'm uh, reframing it. It'll I think that the next show it'll be at will be uh, the San Diego show since Sescal has ended. It would have been at Sescal, uh, but Sescal ceased to exist. So Yeah. So it, isn't there um, a stamp show this weekend? 
Yeah, there is, but by the time anybody hears this podcast, it'll be <laughs> over. <laughs> okay, see, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when is this uh, podcast going up? The uh, Las Vegas Stamp Show. This goes up on Thursday, so if you listen to it real quick, Friday and Saturday in Las Vegas is the Las Vegas Stamp Show. Uh, we put it on. Yep. So it is our show. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but we just came, or, or at least somebody just came back from Napex. Nobody at this table, but uh, yeah, somebody came back uh, who said he's not going to pop his head in to the show this time. Right? <laughs> oh, gee, who could you be talking about? He did say that uh, foot traffic was down, though, hmm. which, in my opinion, is every single show. They all have lower foot traffic now. Uh, it, it it's going to be an interesting thing seeing how stamp shows go for the next couple you know next year or two because uh, two stamp shows folded up shop Sescal being one of them mm-hmm. what's the other one uh, no jacks oh yeah and so you know Garfield Perry is oh they actually sent me an email. They have a uh, newsletter called The Periscope, and uh, they are partnering with the APS, the American First Day Society, and the Topical Society. Uh, they're going to be you know, at the Great American Stamp Show, which is going to be in their backyard. Right. And so uh, we're going to, as we get closer, you're going to hear me giving their dates and times and telling everybody to go to that. But if you need to be told to go to the APS annual summer show, then uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry. You, you, you need to uh, get off your butt. Yeah. That's the next show I'm going to is Cleveland. Yep. In August. I will. Yeah, I'm 50-50. I know Scott 100% is going to be there. We will, PSE will have a table there. I'm just not sure if I'm going to go. It's incredibly expensive right now to travel. Hmm. And depends on the date, too, because we have a wedding to go to. And that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, on that note, keep collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silk was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.